Hey, it's your host, Abigail Pumphrey, and I'm on a personal mission to help more small business owners become financially free. I like to nerd out on all things business, marketing, and most definitely the numbers. I'm talking all the lessons learned as I turned a layoff into a seven-figure online business. I like to share it all and no conversation is off the table. We talk actionable strategies, biz challenges, and all the things life throws your way. Grief, anxiety, loss, and resilience are all topics you'll find here. So grab a cup of coffee and settle in because you're listening to the Strategy Hour podcast brought to you by Boss Project. Have you ever absolutely panicked after you accidentally deleted a file on your computer? I know I have. It's not an issue if you've got Crash Plan Smart Recovery. Your files are just a few clicks away and can be restored in a snap. Crash Plan provides the best cloud backup solutions in the market. Visit CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. Now you can protect all your work with an unlimited backup and recovery solution. CrashPlan makes it simple to restore some or all of your data. And with unlimited version retention, CrashPlan can be your ultimate rewind button. Get unlimited computer backup for you or your business with CrashPlan Professional. CrashPlan backs up files that live on your computer and works with PC, Mac, and Linux. Don't let data disasters slow you down. CrashPlan has your back and keeps you moving. Go to CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. That's CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year. Back up better with CrashPlan. So I'm super grateful that I actually started working out this year just in general because (laughs) I think I might have died walking as much as I did in San Francisco if I hadn't been like walking multiple (laughs) times a week (laughs) to to kind of train for Uh the trip. I well over 30 miles in three and a half days. Yeah. I should look back. I didn't wear my watch to everything though, which was kind of the bummer, but I also walked a lot in Nashville because we had 11 of us. And so we either needed to get two Ubers or just walk. And everyone in the entire world was in Nashville that same weekend. And so Ubers were expensive and hard to come by. So we walked a lot. My feet like are still very sore. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I am very glad I got new shoes. I'm very particular about my tennis shoes. For for anyone who's ever met me in person, you know that 98% of the time I'm wearing tennis shoes and not anything that matches my outfit actually but my new tennis shoe of choice is the adidas bounce shoe and it's very cushy like very like almost to the point where i was like is this obnoxious but (laughs) it's very comfortable so i don't care yeah 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 i swear by my Rothy's and my Converse like all the time. If I wore Converse, I would literally not function. I don't know how you do it. You must have a really good arch. They're they're different now than how they were when we were younger. But when we were younger, it was like walking on cardboard, like miserable. But they listened. And I don't know, 10 years ago, I don't maybe even more than that. They changed all of their souls to like memory foam, arch support. Oh, soul. Like, I had no idea. They are so comfortable. It's insane. So, it obviously doesn't like hold your foot like a normal, like a beefier shoe, but the insole, like soft, cushy. 
Interesting. Okay. I've had a lot of feet problems over the year, but my podiatrist says if you can bend your shoe in half, it's not supportive enough. Mm -hmm. And so I don't think you can bend the converse in half anymore. That's amazing. Because it used to like just flop. Yeah. 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 I'm a converse for life. It's like all I wore as a kid and young person. But I bought two new ones for Nashville and they didn't get here in time. And they're still not here, actually. I'm really sad about it. One was just a yellow high top, but one was this beautiful, like soft blue high top with embroidered butterflies on it. And I. Oh, they didn't come? They didn't come. I just had to wear my white ones. I'm so bummed for you because they're like perfect. I know. So maybe I can wear them to the Kansas City show, but now I do officially own like six pairs of Converse. Wow. But if you are looking for a tennis shoe that is cute, that you can wear with like dresses or jeans or really anything, I also swear by Rothy's tennis shoes. I put off buying anything from Rothy's for a very long time because they're very expensive. Like they are not cheap. I think it's like 149 for a flat, maybe 169 to 210 for a tennis shoe. And I was just like, you're out of your mind. But I just kept hearing the coolest things about them. And so eventually I asked for a pair for my birthday, probably at this point, six years ago. And my in-laws get me a new pair of Rothy's every single year for my birthday because it's just like my thing. They've gotten me, I have a loafer, two point shoes and two tennis shoes. And I think I'm going to get a driving loafer this year. And I swear by them because I have a weird (laughs) shoe thing. And maybe this is why I like Converse so much because like the more you wear Converse, obviously the more worn in they are, but they don't get any looser. Like you can still tie them tight on your feet. They still hold their shape. I hate when shoes get loose and like there's nothing you can do about it. So with Rothy's, you can wash them, like full on wash them and keep them clean, which I also love me a clean shoe. And it tightens them back up basically. And so I just every couple of weeks will throw my tennis shoes in the dryer and they're literally like brand new. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So comfortable. I'm so annoyed because I tried ordering shoes and having them shipped and I tried. So I've worn Brooks multiple times because they're just like a great. Those are my running shoes. Really great running shoe. And I was so annoyed because I ordered two different pairs and I tried going about it a different way. And I was like, what changed? Well, apparently they made their shoes more narrow and didn't. Didn't tell you. Didn't tell you. And so I'm not a typically, I don't typically wear wide shoes in anything, but apparently I would have to if I was going to wear Brooks. So I ended up at Shoe Carnival, which is not my favorite place. Jared thinks it's so fun. I'm like, this is so overwhelming. There's people everywhere. You know where you need to go. It is also overwhelming, but it's like significantly cheaper prices. There's like a Dick's Sporting Goods outlet out by me. And it's called going, going, gone. It's so stupid, but it's, <laughs> it's like in an old circuit city. Oh, okay. <laughs> but it's one where like, I mean, everything is on like circle racks. So it's just like circle rack after circle rack after circle rack. But at least the one I went to in Oklahoma city was not only size coordinated, which so like everything is one size on this rack, but it's also color coordinated. 
So if you want a black tank top in a size medium, you go right here. If you want white shorts in this size, you go right here. And so while it was a lot, it was so organized. And so I just like went to my sizes, picked what I wanted. And it's like ridiculously marked down. So you're getting like Nike, Adidas, Puma, all champion, all of the brands for like $9.99, $14.99, like very inexpensive. I got my Brooks running shoes, which were normally like $175 for $43. Oh, awesome. Brand new. That's amazing. All this brand new. Yeah. I mean, I feel like Shoe Carnival tends to be priced like the main sites on sale. Yeah. So like you're going to get a $69 to $120 shoe that would normally be a hundred to two hundred something on their website. So I like, I don't hate it, but it's still, it's It's still pricier i mean gone are the days i could spend 30 dollars on an actual nike shoe it's it's not gonna happen but anyway i can't believe how much i walked on my trip and i'm so glad to be on solid ground and not moving so yeah we are going to breckenridge next week and we're gonna be doing a lot of walking again at nine thousand feet elevation so i will say I wasn't as upset about walking as much when the elevation is so much lower than home. I was like, oh, this is easy. This is easier. <laughs> yes. 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 But no, walking I, in the mountains, I'm like, oh. <gasps> my family sent this threat because it's we're going on a family trip. And they were like, okay, we're going to be 9,000 feet, you know, elevated. Google says, like, drink extra water the week leading up to your trip. Like, get plenty of sleep. Like, acclimate yourself like at a lower level if you can. So what we're doing, two of us are flying, the rest are driving. I just, I literally hate driving so much. So I'm flying. And so a friend of ours is going to pick us up from the Denver airport. We're going to hang out in Denver for a while until the car gets there because unless they leave at like midnight, then they're not going to get there in time for us to like pick us up from the airport. And so I'm going to be in Denver for a couple hours acclimating there first and then drive up to the mountains. And so I'm hoping that that will do the trick and I won't get altitude sickness and I will be fine. Dream world, I'd be able to go on a run in Breckenridge because how freaking beautiful would that be? But I also don't want to die. So No, see, mm, I've been in the mountains enough to say I never have gotten altitude sickness but breathing specifically yeah. is a challenge. Yeah. I just so, get bloody noses. I don't get altitude sickness, but I just immediately start oh bleeding no. everywhere. <laughs> so, oh, no. <laughs> I will say I was so cute the last time I hiked a mountain and have an abuterol. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Fine, fine. Well, y'all can follow along my stories. And if I'm laying down on the ground, you know that I did not make it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I hope you make it home. I need you. (laughs) Well, my flight's not canceled. (laughs) Girl, you have had the worst trouble lately, but you know, it's fine. No, listen, I got last thing. I got TSA pre-check for the first time in my life, which I don't know how I've waited this long to get it. So I used it to and from Nashville and I will never not have TSA pre-check. 
You don't have to take off your shoes. You don't have to take off your bracelets, your jacket, your watch. You don't have to take out your liquids. Like you just, and you go through a regular scanner and not the one where you have to hold your hands up. It's Are you just serious? a metal detector. Oh, I'm doing it. I didn't know. I didn't know it changed the metal detector. It changes everything. Like they don't give a shit. You just like eyeball and they're like, put your shirt on the belt. See you later. Like they don't touch you. They don't look at you. They don't talk to you. Like it's amazing. So it's like 60 bucks and it lasts like three or five years or something. Do you know how much of a pain in the ass it is to be with me going through security? Yes, I've done it. (laughs) (laughs) You don't have to take out anything. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. You should do it. It's worth it. It's great. <sighs> well, I heard you had some more lessons from your times in San Fran that you wanted I to share. Did. Okay, so next up, we're going to be talking today about a CFO panel discussion I sat in on about navigating change in 2023. So on this panel was the CFO of Airbnb. Oh, wow. The CFO of MidJourney, which is one of the up and coming AI startups growing very, very fast. The CFO of Masterclass, which for those of you who are unfamiliar, it's essentially a cross between a course in education and like a Netflix where yeah. like you get get access, but it's with typically celebrities. And then the other two companies I wasn't familiar with, but the CFO of Step and the CFO of Aon PLC. I'm not sure. But the conversation was really interesting. And, you know, they are obviously in different situations than all of us. They're in well-funded, much larger companies. But in my experience, especially in the last eight years, I have found that what's happening in larger businesses tends to have a trickle-down effect and will mimic or mirror on a delay uh, what's happening in bigger businesses. And so- Real quick, I think- verify an assumption. Are all these CFOs dudes- you. No, absolutely not. I would say more than half of the panel was women. Shut the fuck up. Yeah. The CFO of Midjourney and Masterclass were both women as well as the interviewer. So love that. It was good mix, both in diversity and gender. So I felt like we got a really good take on what was happening, but I think it's interesting. So the first thing they brought up was the uncertainty that everyone's feeling. And The thing I thought was interesting, because I know we have international listeners, is that they felt that UK and European concerns are about six months behind the US. So I think this may become a global issue, which is a much bigger problem, (laughs) but they are on a delay. So if you are international and you're seeing things happening in the States, I would be paying attention. If they think it's a global issue, it probably is based on the size and scale of the companies that were present. Now, Airbnb went back and reflected all the way to 2020, which to me felt like a long ass time ago (laughs) to be going backwards. But you have to be mindful that ultimately they're a travel company. And so their industry has been affected since the beginning. Mm -hmm. The thing that shocked 
me is he said they lost 80% of their business in less than six weeks in 2020. I just got the goosebumps. I know. (gasps) So to say they were panicking would be an understatement, I think. In my opinion, okay, so they only ended up laying off 25%. What? As a founder and a CEO, to have that much of a dramatic loss and only lose 25% of your staff, like props to them. If our business just lost 80% in six weeks, like it would just be you and I left, baby. 100%. 100%. That would literally. I know. I know. So I'm honestly impressed with how much they were able to keep their workforce in place despite the like uncertainty of how long is this going to last and when is it going to bounce back and all of that stuff. Now, they did talk about ultimately change is not something we're in control of. The uncertainty is not something we're in control of. So what can we control It's essentially inside your own walls, inside your own business. And so they all echoed this emphasis on focus for operating rigor and efficiency. Okay. So, and using AI to do that. Well, that that was definitely brought up, but ultimately, creating efficiency in systems is essential. And I do think more than ever, it needs to be something that's emphasized, especially if things are going to speed up. People are also expecting their products faster. They're expecting their services done more efficiently. And I think that's part of it. They are still growing headcount. So they are hiring again, but they're growing intentionally much slower. Well, because what I've seen reports just overall as a whole, not necessarily just the travel industry, but something I saw the other day that was like, it's going to be another five years, I think, before like truly everything catches up to the massive screech halt that happened in 2020. Oh, totally. And I think they're just given the fact that Okay, sure. In some ways, we've bounced back in these areas. Like travel, as an example, has really come back. In some cases, we're up from yeah. 2019 numbers. I'm definitely traveling more this year than I have in the last three years total. Right. And so people are kind of like in this catch up phase, but you also don't want to assume like in anything, That's not gonna maintain. it's not going to maintain. And mm-hmm. so I think. Similarly, if we're removing travel from the equation, the growth people experienced in 2020 and 2021, I think a lot of businesses assumed it was growth that was going to be maintainable and the majority that has not been true for. That's my like biggest defense for everyone who like kind of talks shit about Peloton for a little bit when they skyrocketed in 2020 and 2021. They hired a bunch. They were pushing out a lot of product and then they had to lay off a bunch of people because they knew, like, I feel like they knew that was happening. Like this isn't going to maintain like the work from home and, and not going to the gym isn't going to literally last forever. And so it was a bubble. Take advantage of it when you can. And I can only hope that they'll like figure out how to level out, but it wasn't like a criticism. Like that's unsustainable. Yeah. And I, for that specific instance, I do think in some ways 
the business needs to balance the ethical road they want to go down because they likely added headcount to allow for the speed, knowing that they will just as easily let them go after the speed slows down. And I would like to think that the people listening are a bit more mindful that if they're going to grow their headcount, they want to keep that headcount. And so I do think adding slower is the trend I am seeing as well as not adding in advance of the growth, like waiting for some of the growth to happen and stick and feel really consistent before. I'll tell y'all back in 2016, 17, 18, hiring ahead of the growth was the thing. Oh, hundred percent. Industry-wide, industry-wide. Micro businesses just going from two to 10 people, I mean, really quickly. And so I definitely think slower is going to stick. Want to learn exactly step-by-step how to get paid to generate leads in your business? I've kept these details to myself for far too long. I'm ready to spill everything and give you the exact steps that help me generate tens of thousands of qualified leads and millions in low-ticket digital product sales. I won't just show you what I did, but teach you how you can do it too. I'm talking not just how to create low-ticket digital products, but also showing you how to use them strategically to generate leads for your other existing or future offers. I'm sharing it all at bossproject.com jumpstart, including exactly how I made $8,033 and generated 277 leads my very first month selling digital products. Find out more at bossproject.com jumpstart. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. With over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. I love that Indeed makes it easy to hire because I'm busy enough already. When we've hired in the past, the process was full of unqualified applicants. With Indeed, we can target the right candidates for the right position. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Just go to Indeed.com slash strategy hour right now and support our show by seeing you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Money issues are a common stressor in any relationship. Monarch Money is the top-rated personal finance app that can get you and your partner on the same page without any extra cost. Monarch has built-in collaboration features, so together you can see your finances, budget, and get insights on your cash flow. It's the easiest way to manage any household finances. I've tried other finance apps in the past, and they didn't work the way I wanted them to. I don't want to stress over finances. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more 
Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com strategy. Monarch has a tool that allows you to easily import your data from Mint and keep all of your tags and categories. Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it so easy to get set up, customize, and use. Monarch prioritizes my privacy, and they'll never sell my data to third parties. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash strategy. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash strategy for your extended 30-day free trial. Now, the interesting thing is they mentioned balancing cost and growth is not mutually exclusive. So specifically... They were talking about how to use focus on efficiency to generate revenue to then reinvest in growth. Mm -hmm. And I definitely think that's what we're seeing on a smaller scale as well. Yeah. There was a big emphasis, and obviously all these people are financial people, so I'm not surprised that this is what came up. But they're like, knowing your underlying cost <laughs> in order to make strategic decisions is essential. It's like, uh-huh. yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but truly, if you don't know, oh, I can tell you on a regular basis, active clients, prospects, whatever, I'll have conversations with people and I'll ask them how much income they're generating on a monthly basis. And then I will follow up with, do you know how much of that is profit? And almost always they don't know the answer. Knowing that answer, (laughs) you need to know. Now, this was interesting. And I think this, I don't think this applies to everyone listening. I think this more likely applies to people who have an existing team that are in support roles and you have found that you've able to offload a lot of different types of tasks. And so you can be in a more visionary spot. But they said that spending 50% of their time debating the strategic direction is what the executive level needed to be doing. And I doubt of the climate or always. I don't know if I could tell you, but I feel like I got the gist that it was because of the climate and that might slow down a little bit if it wasn't in that time. But like it's a constant reassessment of where are we going? What are we doing? Where are we going? What are we doing? Where are we going? What are we doing? And setting the rest of the company. And so they said 50% of the time debating, 10% communicating to the rest of the company, the what and the why. So that really leaves 40% of their time to do the job that they're actually hired to do. So I don't know if everyone who has a small team has the luxury of being able to dedicate that much time to that. But I do think the 10% on communication is probably pretty accurate. Yeah. And I could imagine that like for the majority of people listening, especially if you have a a super small team or it's just you, like you could be spending 50% of your time doing that, but it's because you're spending 150% of your time like in your business and thinking about your business. Cause I do think like, especially for micro businesses, female founded, we're thinking about it all of the time and you're on a run, you're in the car pickup line, you're in the shower, you're cooking dinner and something is going to pop up into that noggin. That's going to inspire you or give you a direction that you're going to explore. Now they did ask 
how are you thinking about making investments differently? <laughs> and at MidJourney, you have to keep in mind they're an AI startup and they're in growth mode. So like they're not afraid of spending right now. But she did say having to balance risk tolerance, running lean, being a bit more conservative and a constant focus on extending their runway. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like that's been what we've been focused on the last like 24 months. Yeah. Runway for sure. What can we do to extend the runway? Release the pressure, extend the runway, make the choices that are not long-term growth strategies. No. Show extension now. And in some ways to me, that just more aligns with regardless of if you've been in business three years, five years, eight years, 10 years, the fact that you're a micro business means in a lot of ways you have similar pressures to a startup that may be in an earlier phase of growth. Yeah, you may have been around the block more times, but because of the smaller capital that you have access to, knowing what your cash flow is, is something you need to always have a pulse on. And something you need to continue to be focused on. And I'm telling you that even if your business doesn't need to make a shit ton of money, even yeah. if you have money to put into the business, you still need to know that. Yeah, I completely agree. Now, this next note may piss some people off and I'm prepared to piss some people off, but I do think it's important that we pay attention to that some people a lot of companies are doing this. So Airbnb specifically said there's a huge transformation in front of us and there is a giant focus on AI. The executive team at this point has their main core thing they're looking at is how to automate or eliminate work. And to assume that that's not happening is naive and potentially dangerous. So I think even if you're in corporate and working somewhere, is your job automatable or eliminatable? I think you need to be paying attention. And well, and like, I know this is a broader conversation and I'm not saying that like, I am anxious to a degree about this for, for sure. sure. I'm curious and I'm anxious. I'm excited and I'm nervous. All of those feelings at the same time. What I find really incredible, and I do think it's going to take a while to figure this out because it will be a shift in skills and ways of thinking for a lot of employees. But what I'm excited about is for AI to replace those mundane type tasks and the processes that are happening behind the scenes so that more people get an opportunity to creatively think, to vision, to be a part of the conversation that human brains can strategize and envision and create something incredible. Where there was this article, I think we've talked about on here before, but maybe not. Shoot, I really wish I had it. If I find it, I want to do an, an entire episode about this because essentially very, very high level, this gentleman like stopped kind of all the mundane things and like stopped, like literally forced himself to be more in the creative thinking space in his job and in his work. And because of that, like a literal life-changing epic idea came to light that he was then able to develop and foster and find a community to help make it happen. And it was basically just like the argument for that creative white space that we all deserve mm-hmm. to have. Yeah. And I will say separately, I'm reading a book about management. And one of the things she calls out is like, 
you may love the strategic thinking, creative ideas and all of that. And as a good manager, have to balance building a team that has diverse skill sets, including people who will focus on execution. And so I think if you are constantly in idea mode, if you don't have support on your team who's focused on execution, you're never going to really get traction because you're going to constantly be innovating and not moving forward and doing and and putting that stuff out into the world. Now, it's interesting. I love it when bigger companies echo things we're saying (laughs) behind the scenes because I think it's really helpful. But at Airbnb talked about making sure you have a pin on what core metrics you need to focus on internally versus communicating externally. And to me, I would even reach and say metrics can also be the values that you're portraying and that ultimately they can have similarities, but how you communicate internally is different than how you communicate externally, both from a goal standpoint, what you air out Uh into the world, Uh all of it. And so I think so many people for so long, especially in our industry, thought, I should just say all of it out loud all the time. And I think that's biting some people in the ass now. I agree. And so I would rein it in. What's appropriate given the audience you're talking Mm -hmm. to? Mm -hmm. Now, the female at Masterclass, I should have her name, but it's not in front of me. She brought something up that I think will make so many of you feel seen and heard. Okay. So she talked about how behavior continues to keep changing. And I think we all know this, but specifically the discrepancy between what the data is saying and what the behavior is saying. (laughs) And I was like, oh my God, yes. That's the reason why I've been so fucking confused for three years. Got it. (laughs) Yes. And so she was saying, and I mean, I don't love this analogy, but I think you guys will get the idea. She'll be like, people will say, I love broccoli. I love broccoli. And so the data says, I love broccoli. But the behavior is saying, I like chocolate. (laughs) (laughs) And what people actually want and are willing to pay for is chocolate covered broccoli. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So use your own shit for what this analogy says. But I do think there's a constant mix of I hear what the data is saying. I see what the behavior is saying. And what do I think the people think they want? And what do I know they need? And 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 that is not a new concept. Like that has been talked about for years and years and years. It's especially used in marketing and product presentation, basically, which is literally, what are you saying that you want versus what do you need? And I'm going to sell you, I'm going to talk about, talk out loud about the thing that you say that you want and deliver what you need on the inside. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Covered um, in what you want. <laughs> exactly. Covered in what you want. Absolutely. I think that's the only way that we've been able to function. And I, I think we have attempted yeah. and asked. Yeah. And we've also what, met, we've also gotten it wrong. Like, well, yeah, we've gotten it wrong, but we've attempted to like give them what they need on the outside and then they don't buy it or we give them what they think they want and then they're dissatisfied with the result. And it's like, yeah, it is definitely, a, a, 
(laughs) (laughs) Now, two more things and then we'll wrap this up. So one of the things to be mindful of, and I do think it's an interesting thing because I would say that similarly, Emily and I have been approaching things this way, but they're not throwing bodies at problems right now. They're throwing tools at problems and looking for ways to be more efficient. And so I think this ebbs and flows over time. And I I definitely think it depends on the level of support you have, but it's how can we identify, in my opinion, a tool or system that will help us with a problem and then assign the appropriate person to manage the execution of, because ultimately we can't fully automate everything. Like that's just not possible or ethical for us. And so I think it's a combination of both, but I do think you and I have kind of switched back to looking at tools again. Absolutely. It's been a couple of years where it was people primarily. And I think we're kind of back in a new flow. I think it's kind of ebbs and flows between the two. Now, they did mention if they could wave their magic wand, what would they change or what would they do to like improve their function? And keep in mind, again, these are CFOs. And so these are the things that are going to impact them the most closely, not necessarily the business. But I agree with both of them. But that's probably because that's the role I'm serving in this business. So I don't think Emily would necessarily agree, but I'll be interested. If they could wave a magic wand, about half the room agreed they would eliminate manual reconciliation, manual practices, manual tracking, manual, manual lots. I mean, and especially on the finance side, there's a lot of that and you're like, why doesn't a tool exist for this? Like, it's so frustrating on a very frequent basis. So I still live in spreadsheet land, despite a lot of things that exist. And then the other half of the room mentioned, they wish they had more daily insights rather than getting information a few days past the end of the month. And I couldn't agree more. I feel like Emily and I have over time worked to speed up the time in which we get access to data so that we can make decisions in more real time. And there's things we've had to manually build to help us get those insights sooner. And I do think it continues to be a problem. But I don't necessarily know if everyone listening would know what they would do differently if they had access sooner. And I, well, I'd love to help them figure that out. Sure. And I know for them as being a much faster pace of changing and evolution because they do have the teams to support them to do that. I think where I would take that a little step further, more specific for us. I wish there was a tool where I was able to get a heck of a lot more information about the people who are in our audience. Like People who follow us, people who are on our email list, people who are on our Facebook page, people who visit our website. I don't want just the blanket demographics. I want to know more about buyer behavior and where they're at and what else they're doing in their life so that I can make more holistic decisions on the marketing side and even product creation side for them. Because I still feel like a lot of that 
is guessing and assuming and hoping and using your brain, yes, but it's still just, it's still a risky move to put something new in front of your people. And we've done both ways where we've gone into our hole and created something and put it in front of people and it's worked or it hasn't worked. We've also done things where we've created focus groups and we've chatted with people and that didn't glean us any more helpful information when we did that versus when we just made the educated guess. So I feel like there's a missing element there that could actually help business owners. Yeah. Yeah. So to kind of summarize where I think this is going and what I think is happening with these changes, what what are things I'd be mindful of? I do get the sense that companies will continue to grow. It's not necessarily that the companies will get smaller. I don't necessarily think that's true at all. I just think the pace in which the companies grow, both on the revenue side and team side, is going to be slower than it has been in a long time. And the way to make that work is people are going to right size. I don't necessarily know who needs to look at this, but if you're not addressing your costs on a proactive basis, that's what's going to shut down businesses. But as long as you're being mindful of, is your staff in alignment with the business you have today? Is your cost in alignment with the business you have today? You can still run a profitable and growing business. It's just going to grow to slower quip and you're going to hire at a slower quip and that's okay. And I think there's so much opportunity for us to take advantage of the growing technology changes that are out there. But like trusting your intuition is a big part of this. And I look forward to seeing how your your companies grow and evolve. And I'm definitely actively working with so many people who are looking to hire and grow their teams. And so if you're looking for that additional support, I'd love to have a conversation about what it looks like to take all these things into account, really know and understand what you need budget-wise to make all of this stuff work and have a conversation. I'm here for you. So go to bossproject.com slash on demand. You're going to hear a little bit more about our C-suite on demand offer. From there, you can fill out a short form and book a call with me. And I'd love to have a conversation about how you can continue to scale in 2023. Looking to elevate your brand without the headache? Join the co-op, our creative template shop membership. With thousands of easy to customize templates, all crafted to seamlessly fit your business aesthetics. We make nurturing leads and driving sales effortless. We're talking serious impact and seriously simple creation. Become a member now at creativeshopcoop.com and transform your business today. That's creativeshopcoop.com. Hey, a few quick favors before you leave. I'd love if you'd share today's episode, send it to a friend who needs to hear it and post on social. You can show us where you're listening from, your favorite takeaway, or why someone else should listen. Be sure to tag me at Abigail Says and at Boss Project so we can share it. Okay, second favor. To get podcast updates and all the behind-the-scenes news from Boss Project, I'd love if you'd join my VIP list. Just head to bossproject.com slash sign up to make sure I have all your contact details. Really love this show? It would mean so much to me if you'd leave a rating and review. It not only helps more listeners find the show but allows us to bring on quality sponsors so we can keep bringing you this valuable content for free. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time.